As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, welcome to the latest edition to hear that podcast ground. Paul Inner Jr., Jay Morrison of The Athletic, excited to be with you, I think, aren't we? I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, we're excited. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a fun it's a fun time of year. We're, we're getting close. The first preseason games always kind of got the extra buzz to it, and now we just play out the string and just, just kind of wait to get to the opener against Minnesota and, and everybody just hopes nobody else uh, gets hurt. Although the Bengals, and as you knock on wood here, uh, have been relatively healthy, all things considered, to this point with only really one significant injury to discuss. Are you talking Osai or are you talking? Oh, I'm talking Osai. I think yeah. Osai being the only real injury. I mean, you know, you can talk about the guys in the preseason if we're talking about Akeem Adeniji or whatever, but they're Wyatt Hubert. I wouldn't call them major. I don't think they changed yeah. the complex of anything. Uh, but Osai, Osai changes the dynamics a little bit, it, depending on, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about him later. Yeah, the timeline there is what's really key, and we, we don't have a good handle on that yet. But um, not good that, you know, he's he's not not practicing right now, obviously, after hurting the wrist. Um, but, yes, I mean, whew. It, it, it's just it feels like that Bengals luck. You know, it's not the first round pick um, like it's been in the years past. But the guy comes out, has an just an amazing, impressive debut. And it ends with a, a wrist injury that, um, you know, may keep him out of some amount of time. It's it's just it seems like every year we're talking about a rookie that gets hurt in preseason. Yeah, I mean, and we'll get a little bit more into that later. Uh, I want to tick through some of the things we're going to talk about here. Of course, we start this episode as we start every episode talking about Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Uh, and Jay, you've got a story up now sort of on the deep ball development as we continue to track that very important step as they got to fix that going forward. And we really hadn't seen it. And we kind of saw it. And Jay, I just think you like using the F word in your stories mostly. I do. That's the best part of writing for The Athletic. 
<laughs> Especially when you can use it as like the emphatic centerpiece. You know, it yes. really was like that word. The two times it was used was really the mo- definitely the core of the story. I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the way you used that. <laughs> it was just. It was. I mean, it, it it stood out. We we just happened to be standing on the back of that end zone where CJ scored. So there was. I mean, maybe if it was going the other direction, we still may have heard it. It was that loud, but it was just. It was so emphatic and in your face that. Um, you know, I had to talk to him about it after practice, and he was great as always. Um, you know why he did it, um, what it meant, and um, you know, we thought we were going to see Chase get it the day before. And there are two interesting things I talked to Troy Walters, the wide receiver coach, about that play, about that practice in general, because Chase had a terrific practice, and we hear these coaches all the time. You know these guys look great in a preseason game or they, they look good doing this. And it's always, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's preseason. They temper all praise. Uh, Troy Walters did not do that with Jamar chase. He said, absolutely. Monday's practice was definitely the best practice he's had so far. We saw him catch a couple touchdown passes from burrow. He had another one on the opposite side that looked good. Darren Simmons waved it off. Um, but, but Troy said the, the film showed that he did get his feet down. Um, but all that aside, he, he he had Burrow went to him early and often in that practice. He had a lot of good catches. Uh, the only the only negative was that deep ball that Burrow underthrew, and and Troy Walter said yes, that was underthrown. But Chase still has to catch that ball. He's got to go up and fight for contested passes. But that aside, that was a great practice for him. Um, so I, I think that's encouraging words for all Bengals fans to, to see. I don't think anyone doubted it, but it, it has been a slower start than people thought. And to see him kind of turn that corner um, should be encouraging for all Bengals fans. Uh, Jamar also used yes, Sersky, which I really like uh, <laughs> after a touchdown when he he met back up with Burrow after they connected and gave they gave up they they do, did a little like pinky five like a pinky like you would do if you pinky sweared and he goes Yeserski and I was like I totally approve of that I love a pinky Yeserski I feel like that is unique it's very fun I like using the word Yeserski so uh, <laughs> attention I, Cincinnati I shirts uh, yeah or Cincy yeah. shirts Josh Sneed if uh, if you're listening Yeserski. <laughs> Uh, if the pinky could become a thing, that would be that would be great. Uh, I want to talk a little bit more about that topic. I'm not going to let that go yet, but I do want to tell you we're we're going to obviously talk about offensive line. Where there's a lot of movement. I have a story up on that right now. On it's the kind of resetting it before this is we've kind of hit the home stretch of the chance for these guys to prove themselves, and it's constantly changing and evolving in a lot of different spots, including with one rookie uh, doing extremely well. You probably know who he is by now if you're listening. Um, and I have some good audio from Brian Callahan about the rookie we all thought would be doing extremely well, and uh, it's not so glowing. Um, I want to talk about Jesse Bates and with the Jamal Adams contract done and that nugget still hanging out there. Everything went down last week. We haven't really had a chance to really truly address that, and so I want to talk through that a little bit. We're going to give you an update on OSI. We got a run pass or boot that uh, was given to us. Growler bed updates. Uh, we're got a new one for this coming week. If you want to get in, um, Jay, you you have you've done the Lord's work and done preseason stats that we're going to get to, um, and we got a few of your subscriber questions. You can still get them in if you're listening to this now. Uh, I'm doing a mailbag. We have a subscriber question story up where you can just drop your question in, and I will get to 
um, as many topics as I can in the mailbag this week. So, but I picked plucked a few out of there for us to answer here. But back to Burrow and Chase and the deep ball. You mentioned the throw on Monday's practice that was a touch under thrown. You know, I think it was one of those where each guy could have done a little better, and and because you know Cheeto is stumbling and. I credit him. He was stumbling about the fall, regained himself enough to recover and bat the ball down because it wasn't an awful throw. It wasn't one of those where it's underthrown where the guy stops his route and has to come back. He was still running, but he had to slow down a touch and kind of try to come back to it a little bit. And Cheeto was able to to catch up and knock it down. But Jamar had him by a couple of steps while he was stumbling. It should have been ball game right there. Um, we've seen that. We've seen that a number of times. We've seen that three, I would say three or four times with Jamar where he has had him beat, open deep, has a step, if not two, and they haven't been able to kind of put the cherry on top for a a number of different reasons. We're still waiting for that. and But it's not like we've seen a ton of attempts. I'm really curious to see over the next couple of weeks, how much they really hone in on making that a point of emphasis in practice. Because we haven't haven't seen, it's not like they're doing a ton of work on it. It's not like they're opening it up a ton and throwing the deep ball a ton. Uh, It's it's just, it's periodically shown up. And they work out, obviously, when they're just running on air. But as far as in 11s, this is not them airing it out all the time. Yeah, and we—I mean, we do have several more weeks till the the opener, but we, you and I, only have a handful more practices to watch before they start kicking us out after thirty minutes, which is mainly stretching and um, maybe maybe that's what they're waiting for—is for for the practice, not the entire practice, not to be open to the media before they they really start working on that a lot more and not just because they don't want the media to see it but it's just it makes sense to wait till you get a little closer zach has talked about how we weren't going to see a lot of it early in camp because you don't want to run these guys into the ground you don't want soft tissue injuries you want to let them work their way up into football shape and and just get used to the flow of of practice and everything else so yeah it 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 may be once it's out of our eyesight before it happens on a regular basis. And one other thing with, with Jamar, I thought it was interesting. Like early in camp, there were a few of those that were that a, a tad underthrown. And I should have asked Troy about this. Uh, you just t- now talking about it kind of reminded me, but I remember him going up and, and doing the, the thing that you're coached to do in games and play DB and try to knock that ball away. Whereas in practice, I mean, yeah, you don't want to throw an interception at any time, but maybe that's the time to go up and, and work more on fighting for it and, and trying to to win those those type of contested catches instead of playing DB and knocking it away. Um, and, and that was early, and we haven't seen much of that late, so maybe there was some discussion there. But um, I thought it was good awareness by a rookie to, to try to do that, but maybe not the, the the right spot for it in practice. Just try to make those catches and get the connection going as opposed to batting it down. Yeah. And, and that's, this is stuff that will come in time, but it's still something that we're kind of waiting to see. And so we'll, we'll keep tracking it for you as we look uh, at, at that step. It's kind of the thing that we're making the, 
the the underneath, the intermediate, the red zone, all that looked good. I, they ran um, one of the, one of Chase's touchdowns this week in a red zone period. They were basically in goal to goal, goal to go, really close to the goal line, and ran a sprint right option, which a lot of football fans are familiar with. It's a very standard play, just a rollout right and a couple of different targets, one short, one deep on the back of the end zone, and. Short, uh, I'm not sure who it was, but maybe Boyd was was running the goal line part, and Chase was just had just shook Trey Wayne's on the back mm-hmm. and got himself wide open, and, and Burrow hit him, and that's that's where the Yeserski came. But <laughs> I mean, it was it, that was him just working it and just busting open separation and making and making it work. And then the other two were really tight coverage, um, but he made he he made the catch and had toe drag swag and all that and and really looked good doing it. The other type of you know the tough catches that you you want to see that guy making. So um, we've kind of he kind of touched he checked a lot of boxes down there uh, in, in what he's working on. I mean it's not perfect. Certainly they tried other balls down there that that didn't connect. But um, yeah, it was that was that was definitely the first practice where you saw you know okay things are things are really starting to click between these two. Yeah, the 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 two that you're talking about were the one was called no good, the one was called good. Um, although Ben Baby of ESPN was right there, that both players Trey and Chase went to him and asked him his opinion, and he said no good to what uh, Chase said cap. Um, but <laughs> Troy Walters was talking about those plays, and he said it, it, it's kind of immaterial whether he got the whether it, they were it was a touchdown or not. He said those were both tight coverage against our best corners um, and very difficult catches to make on their own. And the, the fact that he got his feet down and, and tapped them, whether they were just in or just out, he said those were those two were really, really impressive in his mind. So we are. We're starting to see it start to build a little bit. The deep ball may not be there yet, but that, that connection is really starting to develop between Joe, redevelop, I should say, between Joe and Chase. But, I, you know, one thing about the deep ball, I would say, again, I mean, I think Chase has shown it. Like mm-hmm. Chase has got himself open. He has he has been behind the corner by multiple steps multiple times. Like I I'm 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 actually happy with his side of it outside of he had a bad drop on one of those and you know you know you hear about not coming back and get the other one. Yeah, but I mean he's getting himself open. He's showing that ability to to burn deep, you know, and so that's that to me is encouraging. You you'd like to think that um they'll eventually find the connections on that when it Another matters. thing though, real quick is uh Brandon Allen has hit a couple deep balls with with some of these backup receivers. So that that may be something to watch. You mentioned it where maybe they they send Chase out for a couple deep ones early in the preseason just to kind of put that in the back of everyone's mind um brandon allen has been accurate on his deep balls in practice we haven't seen the super super over the top ones but his plus 20 yards passes have been pretty good and maybe we see that against washington where they do instead of just getting it getting jamar's feet wet with a quick little screen maybe they take some shots friday night yeah you'd like to see a little bit more adventurous route i think everybody got to yeah (laughs) you know okay i get it Everybody got to do their little thing and touch the ball, right? How about we see something real now um, in game number two a little bit? I think that's that's probably the idea. In most people's head, as far as game number two goes, uh, obviously uh, no Joe Burrow. I mean, that was never really going to be a thing. We talked through it here. I mean, if you watched Chase Young come around the edge and destroy Cam Newton this past weekend, 
Like, I don't know how you didn't immediately go to like, well, if I was having any thought that this would be a good idea, that's the one that I need. <laughs> I mean, the idea of putting him back out there against Jonathan Allen and Chase Young while you're still figuring out your offensive line at the scene of last year's crime, I just, it has never made sense. It has never made sense. Um, so we then move now to Miami being the only shot. And I think what you would see would be one series with your one line, potentially against their scrubs. I don't know how Miami's going to treat game three, but they could be treating it with their nothing but their backups and not any starters playing. Go out there, run it a couple times, throw a little quick game. Get the hell out, put your cap on, see you in Minnesota. You feel better, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. get it out of your system. And crowd cheers, right? Home game. Crowd yeah. cheers, Burrow, for getting back. Like, it's a big deal. Yeah, I I, I, I can totally support something like that and, and get behind it, especially if that's what, something that Joe feels like he needs. I think that's where the decision ends up um, if, if Joe still feels like he needs that. Uh, I think they'll probably give it to him against Miami, but that's that's where this would end. That's that's what we're talking about. I mean, as much of a as many minutes and column inches that we have wasted on this topic, <laughs> it's like it's going to be about: Do you want him to go out there and take two steps and throw a ball to T. Higgins on a receiver screen? Like that's 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 like the discussion, as if it really matters in the big picture. Yeah, I wonder if there even is a discussion. You you would think that at this point, their mind's made up. They know. Now, we're going to talk to Zach later today. He's going to say that decision will come closer to game time next week. But, I mean, what could they possibly see or what could Joe show between now and then um, to, to, to make that decision, if it's unclear, to make it firm? I, I feel like they already know. They'll let us know next week, and you're right. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised to see a, a quick series like that, where you know they they take the ball first instead of doing their normal defer. He runs out on the field. The crowd goes crazy. A few quick plays. You do wonder if if I mean you don't want a three and out, but what you know what happens if he puts together an eight play drive? I mean you're not going to pull him in the middle of a drive, so I think that might be giving him a little pause. But but yeah, it. it if it were me, I would not play him, but I wouldn't be surprised if we do see one series against Miami. He looks really comfortable. Yeah. He he, he looks comfortable scrambling. He looks co- comfortable running uh, straight up in the pocket. He looks comfortable standing in there and throwing it. You know, he just – and that was so much of the evolution of this year, and I actually um, – talked about Robert Mays was in town yesterday from our national writer and obviously the athletic NFL show. Uh, so we, we spent about 20 minutes doing, putting together a segment for his show. Highly recommend listening to that. Uh, but we, we talked about that, about the evolution of comfort for him and, and what that's looked like here and, and how they dealt with it. And, and it's just, it's so noticeably different. It's so drastically different than what it was. We've now reached that point where it's become a little bit less of a thing you really think about. Um, because I think I think him and the staff have done a really good job of overcoming that hurdle. And and you, you so for that, that was where you would take pause for me in, against putting him out there against Miami. If he's still, you know, I don't know. But if, if at some point you can't coach scared and if he looks comfortable and seems comfortable, can go out there and run a little drive with his guys, uh, you know, I don't I don't really have much of an of an issue with it uh, either way. 
I, I get it either way, but I, you know, I, I think I just look at the guy right now and say he seems fine. I don't think you coach scared. I think you go out there and go ahead and say go go ahead and get yourself a series in if that's something a mental thing that you just don't just you just want to not have that in the back of your head against Minnesota at all. Go ahead. That's all. And and but I don't. I really think it's a negligible difference either way on 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 what we're talking about. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You can't go into that game still wondering what your offensive line is. You're not going to put Joe Burrow back there if you're not sure um, who you've got, and that's another reason with not playing him this week. You're, you know, we're probably going to see Deontay Smith start. It, it, they're still trying to figure that out, and it just makes sense not to put him behind a line in flux. So, uh, a big part of that decision for Miami, I think, will be. I'm kind of counter contradicting myself here where I said the decision's already been made. Uh, maybe that plays into it more than, than I initially thought where they have to figure out, okay, now we are set with who we know our starting five is, and that'll play into the decision whether Joe plays against Miami. Yeah. So let's do this. Let's, let's, let's dive in. I mean, I have a big story up kind of resetting and, and talking through everybody and where they're all at and, and how things look right now. Um, you know, I still, I still think we know for the five spots, mm-hmm. even though they're experimenting with Deontay Smith at left guard right now, um, because he did play well. He has had a great camp. He has really taken to guard. He is a guard now. I mean, they drafted him as a project tackle, but I think he came in and his body was so different and his physicality was more intense than it was. I think he just really took being a pro seriously between the time he left. And, and, and another thing, and I, I wanted, it's actually an interesting story that might be worth poking around on as this season progresses, is this is going to be the year of missed evaluations. Not here necessarily, but across the league. So many guys, either 2020 was just like the excuse for a lot of stuff that was bad, uh, or covered up a lot of things that were good. And so you get guys that maybe were fourth or fifth round picks that probably should have been first or second round picks, but we just didn't know. I mean, Deontay Smith didn't really even play at all in 2020. Um, and then you have a lot of guys whose seasons just were, you just, there's so many reasons you can make mistakes on those guys and in the, in the opposite way, you know, and not that Jamar Chase would be that, but he's an example of somebody who could be that, right? Oh, I just, you didn't get the right evaluation. It's been a long time since he played, you know, it would have changed in that time. Guys at that level, at that age, they change their prospects, change their, who they can be changes so dramatically in a year. 
that you you get a lot of guys I think that will hit and miss this year or that will come from off the radar this year that you didn't necess- that you just didn't see coming. And maybe Deontay Smith is that guy because I mean obviously he had a, has a lot of physical tools that you like. That's why he was a project tackle. He's got the long arms. He's got the frame. He's got enough tape that makes you believe that he can do it. He seems to be a, a, a really smart, hardworking dude. And he's come in and added the other things uh, to that and really taken to this guard position and played hard and used his length to his advantage. PFF had him for the highest pass blocking grade of any Bengals player in the game. Now, this is, you know, we're talking 13 snaps of a preseason game, okay? But he's playing early. I mean, these weren't total scrubs out there. And they're giving him every shot to prove he could be the guy. I still don't think he gets there. But I think he put himself in a position where he's the third guard. I mean, I think he's the first one off the bench, probably, if something goes wrong early on, and that and that could. Yeah, and it's not you. It's not a oh my god moment if if something does go wrong, if someone gets hurt, and you're fit, you 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 realize you have to put this rookie in there. I, I, he may not be the starter, but I think there's a comfort level developing where where you can stick him in there without a lot of worry. And what you were talking about with the evaluations, I mean, there's a reason these scouts go to games in person. I mean, you you can get so much more by being there in person than you can watching on film or just watching game tape. And they didn't travel as much. Nobody traveled as much last year. There weren't as many games, number one. And number two, it just with with COVID and it, it just kept the guys off the road. And not just to watch the games, but pro days. You go to a pro day and you can take the guy out to dinner the night before and and really get to know him. And all that was out the window. It, it, it was such a just a truncated process to to get to know these guys as players and as people. And um, I think that's a really good point that you make that this is, there's going to, I think there's going to be a huge hit and miss thing this year where guys, they, they, for good reasons or bad reasons, the evaluations are going to be a lot different than what, what people thought or their draft spots. We, we might see a record number of, of fourth, fifth, sixth round guys be significant contributors um, than we've seen in the past. And you might see a lot more bust in those first and second rounds than you've seen in the past. And, you know, you're <laughs> remember Deontay Smith was great at the senior bowl. Mm-hmm. And that was a big part of why they were sold on him and who he could be. He was like, man, I don't know. He looked really good over those couple of days. And that was the only football he played essentially. Since yeah. 2019, and so and 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 if you get a guy who people were worried about what his body and like it, if he can play at a certain weight, I remember we talked to the scouts about that. If you go back to my scout story, right after the draft, they said you know they really thought the selling point with him was he was playing at a really weird weight, and he had issue. He was not that he was heavy; he was light, and they, they but he, it was a number of reasons behind that. And they're like, but when you got him at the right weight, and like and playing like he was a senior bowl, he looked great. <laughs> I mean, he looked like a like a dude. And now he's come here, and I mean, I go back to the, the the image in my head on Deontay Smith is we're standing. Uh, there's two long practice fields. If you've ever been down there to to the to training camp, there's three fields, but we can stand where there's a near field and a far field. And we were at the near field, but on the far field, they were doing one on ones with offensive versus defensive linemen. And I'm pretty sure it was, I believe it, it was, it might've even been Mike Daniels, but they're doing one-on-one 
And Deontay Smith turned him and tossed him. <laughs> tossed him. You just don't you don't see that often in that I mean in that drill. Like it, it can happen, obviously, but you know, it doesn't. And he tossed him. I looked and I was like, who did that? And I looked and I followed, got my binoculars out. 70. And this was the very beginning. I was like, 70? <laughs> and, and, and then soon after that, you started to see the rise of Deontay Smith, not just because of that play, but he was doing a lot of that. I think that stuff caught Coach's eyes. And they're like, okay, well, let's see what he looks like under the lights. He goes out. He plays great. And he, he was doing rookie stuff. There's technique stuff and there's there's rookie first game stuff, but watch him climb to the second level. Watch him get out there and just get on people, and then watch Jackson Carmen do it, and then watch Michael Jordan do it. Watch some of the other guys get out there, get lost, not get a hand on anybody. He was like a heat seeking missile a couple of times, Deontay Smith, and mm-hmm. and he's obviously got the power, he's got the reach in there for you, the reach of a tackle. I'm not putting this guy in the Hall of Fame or, or even, you know, I mean, but I'm just saying these are things that you can see pretty clear. It's just a matter of do you trust a rookie who's still learning the position to go out there on day one to me? But I got a pretty good feeling we're going to see Deontay Smith at some point this year as a starter. Yeah, that, that might be a uh, a growler bet at some point. What When does he make his first start or uh... – most starts this year, Deontay Smith, Jackson Carmen, Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. Or we could take we could just take Carmen out of it at this point. And yeah, just he would do, be the boot for Xavier. sure. I mean, do Xavier is the third yeah. guy. What would you take? Run pass or boot it? Let's do it. Um, I would say I would run with Deontay Smith. I, I think he, I'm not ruling him out for week one yet. I, I think it's unlikely, but like you said, at some point it feels like whether it be injury or continued improvement in practice that that we will see that um i would i would pass on michael jordan i would boot xavier suafilo i just uh, he's a, a a solid insurance piece um but i i think they're they're doing everything they can to to find somebody else to to win that job um and he would be the the fallback if nobody grabs it and right now it looks like michael jordan and deontay smith are both playing well enough where over the next three weeks one of them certainly could grab it yeah it's it's a really that's it's a really hard one because the other side is you know they're playing deontay smith on the left side they prefer not to move him like he's he's already learning a new spot i asked brian callahan about that and he said look i You'd rather a guy kind of stay on the left side. Now, who do we know has not struggled with moving around Quentin <laughs> <Quinn>. Spain? <laughs> you know, now he's told us, I am best on the left side. Left side is my best side. That's where you're getting the best out of me. But we've seen him play solidly all over the place. I think the move that you see is Deontay Smith comes in at left guard and and Quentin Spain would play right guard. Maybe. That might be the more likely thing to where it ends up. If we're talking about six, 17 games, if we're talking about who's getting the most of the 17, that might be the direction that you see it go. And and we'll see. Uh, Michael Jordan is a real is the tough one for me. 
Like, I just don't know where their trust levels. I think they're happy with mm-hmm. his attitude. I, I, I think he plays okay. I just think it's hard not to have the last two years in the back of your mind. It's hard. And to think that he's different. And I, I mean, maybe he looks better. Is he different? Is he going to be that much different? I don't know. I don't know. So I, I guess I, I, I'm, I would probably run. I don't know that I'm ready to run with Deion. I'm going to run with, I guess I'm going to run with Deontay Smith. I don't know. I don't know <laughs> if I'm ready to run with Deontay Smith. I, I don't want to run with any of them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to run with any of them. Uh, you know, and that's not, that's, that's bad. Uh, but yeah. I, I just, I, I would probably have to run with, I'd probably have to run with Deontay Smith just because I think they're going to give him a chance at some point. Mm-hmm. They're going to give him a chance at some point this year, whether it be an injury or whatever. I just think he's going to get a shot. Because if Suofilo plays early because he knows things and they're want, uh, somebody who's not going to be – the moment's not going to be too big for him, right? He'll play two to three weeks and play his average football, right? He'll grade out as like a 59 in PFF. He'll have like a 71 game, like a – you know, and then he'll have a bad game and they'll be like, you know what? Sufilo's playing average. Let's give Deontay a shot, right? And that will happen. And then potentially he comes in and he's good and he's the answer. That to me, that's the most likely scenario, I guess. So, so you're who are you running with? I don't are you know what I'm doing, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that means. I guess because I don't know how he'll do in that shot. I'm totally like I have no answer for this. I have no answer for this. I can't declare myself. I'm undeclared. I need I, I more think, time. I think I Zach and Brian would have a hard time doing this as well right now. Oh, I would. Yeah. That's what we'll have to ask Zach today. We'll ask him to run <laughs> Pastor Boot this for us. See what he says. <laughs> um, let's move on um, to Jesse Bates. Oh, I didn't know. Let's not. I didn't talk. We got to talk about Jackson Carmen. Um, yeah. Actually, you don't really need to hear us talk more about Jackson Carmen. Um, you can take what you want to about Brian Callahan's answer when asked about Jackson Carmen. Uh, this week, and you know, it's it's he's saying everything we've been saying, and that everyone's kind of been saying. You know, it ain't there yet. Carmen got up to a slow start with that holding penalty, but how did he play after that? In your opinion, I thought he played okay. You know, there was some ups and downs. Um, get his feet underneath him a little bit in the run game, and, and I thought he had some good things in protection. Uh, he is physical and he's strong. It's just a matter of reining that in, getting the technique down, uh, and it's kind of. All young players go through it where, you know, you go to the first game and it kind of goes all over the place and then you settle down a little bit as, as you get used to playing at the, at the pro level and pro speed. So uh, I thought it was, there was some good, some bad. Uh, obviously plenty to improve on for him. How would you describe his progression so far from the end of OTAs to, to right now? About, you know, what most young players go through. Um, I'd like to see more, uh, more positive steps from him than he's shown so far. There's been enough things where, uh, that he's got to get better at and get better at quickly. That's just the reality. Um, but, you know, he's, he's doing things that you expect rookies to do, and then he flashes his potential. Uh, and the name of the game at, at this level for any young player is be consistent. Uh, and the most consistent guys are the guys that are easiest to trust and to play. Um, so the inconsistency, I think, is what hurts him the most so far. But, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of good things that have come forward uh, and, and time to go still. But, um, you know, I think that's the that's the name of the game here for for all these young players. Just find a way to be consistent and be dependable all the time. So that I mean, there's there's Brian Callahan, Jax Carmen. I mean, to me, it's look, 
This was the reason I was a card-carrying member of Team Soul for a long time. Not because I didn't think taking Chase was the right play, theoretically. It was because I don't trust this team to draft linemen because they've done it so poorly for so long. And this was, this is our concern, dude, right? Is that, and this is not anybody calling anybody a bust. It is early in a rookie year. And I think everybody has to keep that in context here, okay? This happens with rookies all the time. This is rookie stuff here. This is very standard rookie stuff. But there's high expectations for somebody, and it's, it's he's not there yet, okay? But it doesn't matter if Deontay Smith is just as good as what you hoped Jackson Carmen would be. So maybe they lucked into it. Maybe they fell into an answer, uh, and nobody really would care, you know, I, in my opinion. I mean, nobody cares who it is as long as it's somebody that comes along. We, and we have talked. We go back, if you go back to all of our old draft shows, where do these offensive linemen come from? Where do you get them? All over the place. There's nothing that says these like high drafted linemen are the ones that end up being the best ones across the league. In fact, that's honestly rarely the case. Third, fourth round, it is not rare to find quality starting, especially guards, coming from that space. It's kind of where you see most of them, honestly. Um, now, the high, high end, all pro, sure, Quentin Nelson's of the world. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, but, you know, standard no donkeys, solid guards, third, fourth, fifth round, undrafted, you know, that's, that's just part of, that's part for the, part of the course. And it typically takes them a little while to, to kind of find that footing. So that I feel like Deontay Smith is ahead of the curve is where that's concerned. Maybe it is what's around him that is leading to this, but it, it, you don't see those guys kind of get this opportunity this early so it is it's i mean it, it when they took jackson carmen that was the whole thing was well if if joseph osai is great you could have got him in the second round and carmen in the third round and nobody would would bat an eye and and now now we're talking about carmen in the second and deontay smith in the fourth and if you flip those nobody bats an eye i still think Bengals fans are going to complain if if jackson carmen doesn't pan out there it's it's going to look like a wasted pick no matter how great deontay smith ends up being um and it there's an there's an interesting run coming up right now where they're they traded back instead of they could have taken a number of tackles that were still on the board um, in, in that second round. And if, if you're the type that likes to play the what if game, um, it's coming up because over the next six games, the Bengals play the two preseason games and the first four regular season games, the Bengals are going to see four of those guys. It, hmm. it starts, it starts Friday night in Washington with Sam Cosme, uh, next week against Miami, Liam Eichenberg week two, at Chicago, Tevin Jenkins, who's hurt with a back injury right now. We don't know if he'll play or not, but if he does, you get a chance to look at him. And then week four, Walker Little, Jaguars. Um, those guys all went between 39 and 51. Uh, they The Bengals could have had any of them um, rather than rather than Jackson Carmen, and, and they went the road they went. Um, so if, if you, if you want to spend some time watching the other side of the ball, uh, there you go. There's your lineup for the next six weeks. Are you sadistic and love to just play out other things you could have done in your life and how you could be happier than you are right now? Does Jay have the game for you? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right. Let's, let's talk about Jesse Bates. 
Um, if you want more offensive line stuff, I've got like 2,000 words up on the site, so <laughs> subscribe. Um, so Jamal Adams' deal gets done. Jamal Adams took the opposite approach of Jesse Bates, held out in Seattle, um, did not practice while his deal was being negotiated, and they eventually came down with a huge deal. It was 38 guaranteed, four years, 70, averaging around the 17 range, which is a big topper for the market, uh, which was previously in the 15s per year. Um, Jesse Bates, of course, last week reportedly, you know, kind of his camp kind of broke off talks. He weirdly goes on a Bengals social media platform to take a shot at the team um, for saying, you know, apparently I'm not the best safety in the league, according to them. They don't think I've done enough yet, I believe was his exact quote. Just, just a really, really awkward situation. Um, but, you know, when he's there, he doesn't have to answer any questions um, afterwards. So that's kind of where everything stood. And now the Jamal Adams deal comes down. And the thought and a lot of the questions that I've got from you guys from my subscriber Q&A that we're going to get to some of those in a minute revolved around Jesse Bates. I'm going to write more about this, but I, we should talk through it too. Look, I, I don't. I mean, I don't have an impression, and I th- I don't think anybody should have the impression after you heard Jesse say what he said that they're close, or that the Bengals are willing to make him the highest paid safety in the league. Like, they're not. He said it. Could you? I mean, he wouldn't say that. He wouldn't create the most awkward situation ever and be on a mm-hmm. Bengals social media platform taking shots at his own team that he says he loves and wants to stay with if that wasn't 100% the case. It, it is. You know, I, I disagree with it philosophically. I, I On a Bengals standpoint, I, I, I think it's ridiculous to not we can split hairs. Is, do you, Jay? Do you think Jesse Bates is the best safety in the league? Um, I don't know. Yeah, he's in the conversation, obviously. But you know that these guys all have different skill sets, and it's 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 kind of like the looking back. I mean, even though that we're talking about right now, it's kind of like that argument between Montana, Brady, Jordan, LeBron, that kind of. It's just it's just hard. You can see arguments on both sides, um, but it's it's the way it plays out. It's it doesn't matter if he's the absolute best. He he's right there in that conversation and he's up. It's his turn when it, you see it all the time. You, you you're only going to be the highest paid whatever for a certain amount of time because then next year there's going to be guys that come up and they may be a notch below you. But it's just the way the market keeps climbing every year. And it just seems foolish for the Bengals to be playing this game. He he deserves Number one, he's been everything they've wanted since he got here as far as work ethic, a leader, and then obviously play on the field. And it just doesn't make sense. You, you, the The market's set. You, you don't even have to come up with a number. That the, the number's out there. This is what you got to get to to make him the highest paid guy. Go a little bit over that. You've got the cash. You, you want him to be a piece, a building block going forward. Why play games? Why why make this guy that is totally invested and wants to wants to stay with a franchise that hasn't won anything in the playoffs for decades? You know why risk 
angering him to the point where he would go on and take a shot at you on on your own platform. It it, it just none of it makes sense. I know they they're tough negotiators, but this one. I think we've used the term rubber stamp. It was like, well, yeah, they're, they're going to get Hubbard done and then they're going to get Bates done. And it, it just felt like a foregone conclusion. And this, I, it just doesn't make sense to me why they're playing this game. Negotiations go like this sometimes, right? Like, I don't, I understand that. Like, you know, you have somebody comes in high, you come in low because you want to find the middle spot. Like, why? look, I don't find whatever. I get it. My thing is this is, this is not about splitting hairs of who the best safety in the league is. Let's say Jesse Bates is, is Jesse Bates is in the top five. Okay. I, I, I'm not, and I'm not, by the way, I'm not saying top the Jamal Adams contract. Jamal Adams is a different guy. Okay. He's a, he's a different, he's a safety, but he does other stuff. He's kind of in a different zone. I almost don't count him. I'm going off of Justin, Justin Simmons deal mm-hmm. and playing it over the top of that. You know, 15 is just sitting right there for you. Now, so I don't think that, like, first of all, the Bengals aren't going over that. They're not going over Jamal Adams. Um, and so, you know, to me, it's it's somewhere in that 15 range is where you should end up. And if you're saying, nah, we, you know, we don't see him. He's only done it for one year. You know, he only had the one big year. Yes, he's done everything right, but we don't totally see it. So we're going to say, what about 13? What about 14? What about shorting this side of it? And what is that worth? What is that $2 million per year worth to you organizationally, philosophically, right? Haggling with the guy who's been nothing but perfect for you as a player, at, at a growing premium position, as somebody who wants to be the core of your team the same exact way we talk about how much it meant and they talk about how much it meant when you reward a guy like Sam Hubbard that is the example makes everybody else in the room T Jamar Joe all the the young players that are going to be coming up makes them all believe that they'll get theirs if they just do it the right way, the same way we talk about that, you get the other side. This is the negative side of it. If you haggle with somebody who does everything the right way over a couple, a million or two dollars here or there about trying to make him the highest paid because you think, I don't think so. I think he's like the fourth best safety and I need to see a little more. So I'm not going to go there, right? This is your guy right now up for you who is a core and you and you can... You can make an absolute staple of your team who you want to be a staple of your team who wants to be a staple of your team. Organizationally, you should invest in that. Maybe you overpay a little bit. You're out here overpaying for freaking Trey Waynes and DJ Reader and Trey Hendrickson and selling that overpayment to us, right? Like you're, you're selling all these overpayments because you got to have a guy. I mean, you got to have somebody, right? That's the going rate. That's what we heard in free agency, but you're not willing to overpay for your dude who this is. This guy is a standing uniform wearing embodiment of your organizational philosophy draft, develop, retain that we've been sold since day one that you supposedly believe in. You're not going to overpay for that, but you're willing to overpay because it's the quote going rate on guys like Hendrickson and reader and Wayne's. That's what that's that's where I I don't understand it. That's where the disconnect lives for me. 
in not, not being willing to just go there. Maybe you don't totally believe it. But so what? It's for the greater good. And, and who, whose pie are you taking out of for this? You got a rookie contract deal going on. You have plenty of money. You know, you've got, you, you've, you've got plenty. This is not a money thing. Nobody's, nobody's getting hurt. Nobody's, you're not going to be able to not sign somebody because of this. You know, it's just haggling. And maybe it gets done. I hope for their sake, I hope it gets done because it needs to. Um, maybe it ends up in a franchise tag next year, which is what happened with Justin Simmons. And Bates says he's okay with that. But, you know, it just seems a lot of like a lot of unnecessary stuff when you have something that can be a real true corner turn as a, you know, positive showing of your organizational philosophy. Yeah, it, I'm with you. I, I think there's still a decent chance it does get done. You, you think about it this year, it's different. You, the, their deadline's always been the start of the regular season. You have exactly two weeks from the last preseason game to the start of the regular season. You have 12 days from final cuts to the to the end of the to the start of the regular season. Maybe they do cut Xavier Stuafilo and save 2.8 million dollars. That that can just be directly pushed over onto the Jesse Bates pile. Um, th- there's other things that can happen um, after cut down date and after they get a better sense of what the roster looks like and you have that luxury of extra time, but I'm with you. It, it's not just this year with the guys that they're overpaying for. I mean, you go back to the, the Bobby Hart deal. It, it just, they've, they've done it in the past with guys that you don't feel good about or feel less good about it. it why not with Jesse Bates? This, this coaching staff is a hundred percent on board with him. Why risk? I mean, maybe they know he's a guy that, that isn't going to throw a fit and rock the boat. And it, I mean, yes, that was a bad look on the the platform when he took a shot at them, but maybe they feel like it, it I think it runs the risk if you're if you're gonna not do it now, you're gonna franchise tag him next year. Then when you go into free agency, is he gonna say, I've had I've seen enough. I'm I'm gonna move on. If you really want this guy here long term, do it now. Just just get it done. And I don't where would you put it? I, it percentage wise that it gets done versus it doesn't get done by the start of the regular season. I'm, I, I would still go above 50% that it does get done. I, I just feel like it's too important. There's too much at stake. Um, it, it does, doesn't make sense. This could all be a neg- negotiating ploy. Uh, they're just buying time. It, it feels like they, they've, there's enough wiggle room here between September 12th that they can get it done. I wouldn't go over fifty percent. No, I, I mean I'd be close. I'd be in the forties, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't. You know, I think you're still coin flipping. Something's going to have to change, you know, and and I don't know that the Adams deal is going to help anybody. Um, <laughs> that's going to make it harder, you know. Uh, so I think I I just the only thing for me is it's just and maybe this is what the Bengals are betting on is that. Jesse Bates doesn't want to have to go play another year. He's at a position of high leverage right now. Coming off his best year, you know, you're entering a big season, but he's under contract and he has to go play. Inevitably, you don't want to have to go do that, you know, because you could play worse. You could get hurt. So many only only things can go. The chances of him making more money is is not a good risk reward for him. The pay the payout is not worth the the risk that you play. 
of, of not signing a deal. But, you know, it happens all the time. People bet on themselves and he sounds totally willing to go do that. So maybe he does. All right, let's just take a quick break. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Let's uh, let's let's rip through some of this news and questions and stuff. Um, Joseph Osai injury we touched on earlier, uh, broken wrist surgery. Um, there's the thought out there is that he'll be back for week one. It's been put out there. Um, that is not necessarily the case. I think that's an optimistic timeline. Um, I the the sort of assuredness with which people are discussing that I don't think is real. Um, he could be back week one, but I think you're, you know, that's it's to say that right now immediately um, is 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 too early. Uh, I, I I do think you're talking about missing minimal regular season games, though. One, two. I'm going to guess, you know, we'll, we'll kind of learn it cut down if they think it's more than three, because with the IR rules, somebody can come back after three weeks. So if they think he would miss the first three games, they'll put him on IR to save the roster spot. Um, more than likely, I would think they would not do that. They think he'll be back at some point in those first three weeks and be playing, and, and that'll be good because obviously the guy looked great. I think if it's three, it's four because that fourth one is the short week against Jacksonville. So you could see if he's not ready by week three, I could see him sit in week four as well. Um but yeah, well, I'm uh, like I said earlier. Just it just it feels like a broken record. It it's no nobody's fault. It was a fluke thing where that that happens. Um, but it just it seems like every year a rookie that they're really counting on for big things is is dealing with something like this. Fortunately, it's not like we've seen some in the past where it's it's long term. Um, it, it does feel like at some point at least by October, maybe September, we get to see Joseph Osai in a real game. Yeah, just be careful with timelines right now. I don't, it's, it's just a really a, kind of a fool's errand to do with, especially, I mean, guys, surgery, broken wrists, like, I mean, you don't know exactly how long that's going to take, so we'll we'll kind of wait and see on that, but don't, don't go putting him into your lineup in week one necessarily yet. Um, let's talk about, I'll get a run passer boot here. Uh, that's coming from TJ Hushmanzada's shiny shoes at TJ's shiny shoes. Um, all right, curious whether the Bengals will see themselves as buyers or sellers to cut down. So run past or boot. Bengals trade for a player who is going to be cut. The Bengals trade a player they were going to cut, or they exchange players who were going to be cut. <laughs> I think the, the cut player exchange is like the wave of of what the NFL is at this time of year. I mean that's. I mean, yeah, you got you got an overage here. We got an overage here. Let's exchange overages, right? I mean, but I'm my thing is what position would they be trading for? Where they, where where is their depth? Something they'd be trying to fill in with not many injuries to this point. It's not like some of the years past where they were like really needing to find somebody, you know. I mean, depending on Osai. I, 
in losing Hubert and I mean, maybe they do try to get another D lineman that can just kind of to fit a guy that, you know, isn't going to make another team and you're just going to give up someone you're going to cut anyhow. Um, yeah, beyond that, I don't know. Um, you're not going to get an offensive lineman. I don't think not, nothing of any quality, um, nothing of any better than you already have. That would be the other area where they could always use improvement. Um, maybe a linebacker. I mean, if I, if I'm run pass or booting this, I'm going boot, boot, boot. I just, I don't think there's going to be a trade. I, I think they'll, they'll just maybe pluck somebody off a waiver wire. If that's the case, um, they are still going to have the number five waiver, pri- waiver priority that until week three of the regular season, the draft order is the waiver priority. So they would have to feel pretty good about getting a shot, getting a guy that they would want from another team's cuts. So I just, I, I, I think it's a long shot that we see any sort of trade. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. I, I this you know, and that's a good thing for your roster that you don't feel like mm-hmm. you really need to be trying to find something to fill gaps. I mean, last year they were trying to fill gaps on the defensive line. You end up with Christian Covington and, and all that stuff. So I mean, you're you're they're not there yet, you know, because they really haven't had a bunch of a big injury situation. So at, right now, I I think they stand pat. I'm with you. Um, let's go. Let's let's do uh, some subscriber questions here real quick, and then we'll get into the growler bet uh, for the week. Um, this one, if, and if you st- a reminder to get in a question now uh, on the site, we've got a discussion topic up where you can roll in there and put a question in, and I'll get to as many of the topics as I can in my mailbag. Uh, from Chris B, heard a lot about Bachi, Hodge, and Osai. How did Marcus Bailey play? noting that he was one that I was looking at to watch. I actually asked Lou Anarumo about this yesterday. And uh, I guess okay would be the answer. He'd be played fine. Lou, I, I think Lou just doesn't want to jinx anything. Like He's just like, I don't want to talk about anything good that's happening because I don't want to ruin it. Like just so far, so good. A lot of so far, so good is coming from Lou Anarumo at this point. And so I think Bailey looked okay. I mean, I, you know, his I think injuries are out of his mind. You know, Aunt Lou said, "Yeah, look, I don't. That's not something that's ever come up recently. I mean, that's totally gone. Um, you know, he has had a nice camp. I th- he played. He showed up a couple of times, um, but you know, it, it didn't. Um, it didn't shine. I mean, it wasn't something that was like really notable afterwards how well he played. But he was. You know, he did okay. Yeah, I mean, he he made a play in practice yesterday. Another one of those. It was either a, a pass breakup or a forced fumble. Whether, but it was also another element that played into CJ's fuck yeah." Um, because it was a, it was either a CJ drop or it was Bailey breaking it up or it more, what it looked like to me is CJ caught it, took a couple steps and Bailey punched it out for a forced fumble. Um, we've seen this defense create more and more turnovers this year in camp and he, he does, he makes, it's not consistently wow, but he does show up at times in camp and it just, there, it, it felt like he was a steal last year at the seventh round and it wasn't like he was going to jump in and be a big piece last year, but you keep, you keep waiting for that light to kind of go on. And I, I, I think kind of like Deontay Smith at some point, he's not gonna be a starter, but at some point this year, he's going to work his way into the rotation at linebacker and, and be a, a contributing part of this defense. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, this one from Ed K. Uh, Paul, great piece on the offensive line today. How about the receivers after the big three? Seems like Taylor, Irvin, and Thomas are all showing well. 
it was assumed Tate was wide receiver four. Is this shot, is this spot in jeopardy? Morgan, good on special teams, not much of a pass-catching threat to date. How many do they keep? What's your view? I, I have mine. I don't know if we've really talked through this. What's what's your view of, of how this plays out? I think Tate's still a solid four. Oh, yeah. Um, I wonder about Mike Thomas. He he hasn't shown much. I, I know Zach really likes him. Um, but I, I think Trent Irwin is moving ahead of Trent Taylor. Um, w- we saw them. He, he got a, a return. He got a tackle on special teams. They're, they're working them in, um, in, in that regard in special teams, which really is why Trent Taylor is here. Um, he, he, he just makes catches. I mean, we saw he took a illegal hit to the head and still held onto the ball, led the team in receiving yards um, every day in practice. Yesterday, again, he had a, an impressive catch. I, I think he's doing everything he can to, to win that that final job. And if 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 I'm picking a 53 right now, he's on it. And, I, and maybe Trent Taylor's on the opposite side of that. Also, Darius Phillips was the returner. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so what is Trent Taylor doing? <laughs> if he's not <laughs> returning. And so if you're settling on Darius Phillips, and I'm not saying they are, but he was the first one out there on punt and he was doing kickoff. Um, now, obviously, Brandon Wilson will have that job, but they're giving Darius a chance to have that look as the, as the other guy. And all your corners are healthy. What exactly is Trent Taylor giving you on special teams? You know, and so if Trenton Irwin is giving you more on special teams, I think Trenton Irwin, believe it or not, I mean, has just been a better receiver. He's made more plays for you. I, I, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm not a like, look, one play is gonna really sell me on somebody. But if there's one play to sell me on somebody, it's taking the hit like he took over the middle and holding on to the ball and popping up, you know, uh, against Tampa. And that stuff means something. That's that is the type of stuff. That matters, and I mean, I've heard stories about Trenton Irwin just ripping up Darquez Denard in like practices and stuff like that back when he was on the scout team, and mm-hmm. and and catching people's eyes that way, you know, like a re, you know, it's a starting nickel right there, and he was taking it to him a little bit as a scout player, and well, that's kind of just continued, and obviously he he doesn't necessarily stand out otherwise, but he just keeps making plays and. I'm with you, man. I, I I think I would have him as my six. So to me, it would be Thomas. It'd be Tate, Thomas, and Irwin. And I'd be leaving, leaving everybody else on the outside. But those other guys, also, I don't know how much of a difference it really makes. Because with the practice squad rules being there, they're going to be, I don't see somebody plucking Trenton Irwin hmm. um, at final cuts. I mean, I think you can get any of those guys on your practice squad and they ease to move from up to down on game day is it's so it's so easy to do anymore that you know if you need a guy you have injuries if it's somebody has to play you can get him there you know whether he's on the 53 or not but i'm sure trent Irwin cares because the checks are quite different <laughs> uh <laughs> but for the most part it's not a huge deal where you end up you know there's a chance you'll be back and forth a little bit all year yeah i the, the one question i mean stanley morgan maybe instead of mike thomas um because he is so valuable on special teams and he did catch a touchdown from Joe Burrow yesterday. Uh, but I, I still think he's a guy that, yeah, he's not going to get plucked. You put him on the, you put him on the, the practice squad. He can be one of those game day call-ups and still play special teams for you. There's, 
it, it feels safe. It's, it's, it feels like it's going to come down to Taylor and Irwin, and right now Irwin's got the lead. Yeah, Thomas is interesting just because the fumbles. I mean, he had one last year, and he mm-hmm. had the one in the game. I mean, those are the types of things that do get you cut. Um, but I still think his physical profile – um, and he had, did make some plays for you last year. I mean, he, he had a, he had he had a touchdown. He had some big third down catches early in the season. Um, you know, I, I think there's enough there from him that he holds on to the fifth spot. Um, this one from Charles A. Great coverage from you and Jay. It's always a point in reading for me out of the box question. I will be going with a friend to see 49ers at Bengals in December. I've only been once to Cincy. What restaurants would you recommend? And don't tell me Arby's because that's where Jay likes to go. <laughs> Well, obviously, we know you know that already. Um, however, I would say now I saw a response in the discussion which pointed out Ruby's. Sure, yeah. Are you on an unlimited budget? Then yes, sure. Go to go to Ruby's. Go to the precinct. Enjoy yourself. Um, I would actually say if you ha- if you are on an unlimited budget. Uh, Boca is maybe your best bang for your buck in the city, though. It's expensive. It's a, hey, I got a promotion type place to go to because uh, you have to be coming into more money to go there. Uh, but it's it, it, it's it's incredible. Boca is incredible. Uh, below that, so- Soto is is your is your better deal. I think Soto is probably where I would send you. If you're staying downtown and you want an awesome meal that is – a little bit on the more expensive side, but it's not as outlandish as a Ruby's or as Boca above. You can get away with other things. Go to Soto. Um, that's a fantastic spot to go to. This is all assuming this is assuming that you're staying downtown. Now, obviously, you go down to OTR, and there are a ton of great places you could go to. I mean, most people are going to tell you the obvious. They're going to send you to the Eagle, as they should. If you can get in there, that's a great place to go to. I highly recommend that. I'm also a big fan of Pendleton. The area of Pendleton, go up Lucius Q is up there, which is awesome barbecue. Uh, Boomtown Biscuits is up there. Nation all on one corner. You have Braxton Breweries up there in Pendleton now. You can go up there in Pendleton and really do well. So those those would be my suggestions uh, if you're coming into town. What are yours, Jay, understanding that Arby's is now out of play? Yeah, well, this might surprise some people, but we don't do a lot of fine dining, so <laughs> I, I don't, I, I can't, I can't give any of those upscale ones. Obviously, there's Yelp. You've got Paul's recommendations. I'm sure all those places are great. I've never been to Boca. I've never been to Ruby's, um, which I, I've lived here my entire life, and yeah, never been there. But we just don't. We we spend money on concerts and our beverages at concerts. Jay so recommends you eat at shine down. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you're going for that, that more, um, the, the smaller budget place, I, I always, I tell everybody the Eagle. I just, I, I love that place. Um, and, and Lucius Q as well is, is terrific. Um, but I, I've not hit the, the OTR circuit. We, we live 40 minutes away. We get down there every now and then. Um, but you're much better going. Paul's got a much, a much better handle on, on what's down there and what to, what to hit for food. So I, I, I'll just, I'll tap out on this one, except I'll double down on the, the Eagle endorsement. There you go. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's let's rock through the end of this. Let's growler bet. Recapping last week's growler bet, uh, no winners. The number ended up being nine point five with a crapload of penalty yards, getting the number very low. Um, I believe I had the lower number, didn't I, Jay? 
Yeah, you did. You had 23.0 and I had 37.8. So mm, you're off to a 1 and 0 lead. Uh, shout out to Philip Grone, who had 12 as his guess, which was uh, so close. So close, but not quite. Um, we have what's our growler bet going to be this week, Jay? Yeah, no decimal points. So that, that may make this one easier to hit, but it, it's still going to be tough. Um, we're going to go with the Bengals' longest pass play times Bengals' defensive pressures. So this is going to – this if it plays out like last week, it's going to be a big number just because they got so many pressures last week. Um, but it, it it just feels like these are the things we're talking about, the, the deep ball and the pass rush. So let's combine them and, and go with longest pass play times defensive pressures. Okay, well – I'll say this. I'll go with longest pass play as being 30 yards. And I'll I'll say 15 pressures and I'll I'll say another another nice night for pressures. And so we'll put us at 450 for my for my final number. Uh a nice even easy to handle, easily digestible number. Also it's probably too easily digestible, but that's what I'm going with. Yeah, even with Osai not playing, I think they're still going to get a lot of pressures. I was always a big fan growing up. I memorized my square root charts. So I'm going to go 20-yard <laughs> pass, 20 pressures, 400. Memorized your square root charts. Look at you. <laughs> I mean, you you really are. My my wife says that that you are living proof that you should go around to like high school math classes and say, I am living proof of why you should pay attention in math class. <laughs> Like, this is it. Jay's got stats is what you could be. <laughs> and I did it uh, without the benefit of, of Excel. Yeah. Uh, reminder, everybody. So if you want to get in your guess, longest Bengals pass play times total Bengals pressures. So offensive pass play, defensive pressures for the Bengals. Uh, send us your number. You can do hashtag Bengals growler bet on Twitter. Make sure you do hashtag Bengals Growler Bet. That's where we search it. And then send me an email, pdaner at theathletic.com, P-D-E-H-N-E-R at theathletic.com. Make sure you have the word growler in the subject header because that's how I search it. Um, if if your inbox looks anything like mine, it things disappear quickly. Uh, so make sure growler is in your header of your email if you go that route. Um, and send us your number before the game starts. And if you're right... Delicious, delicious 50 West beer coming your way. Thanks to us. Um, all right, Jay, you have preseason stats, don't you? This yes. is gonna, Meaning, we meaningless. End people on a very depressing note. No, no. Well, m- maybe. It, it, I, I might, <laughs> it might temper their enthusiasm. Let's put okay. it that way. Um, I, I went back and looked to see how many times they've started a preseason 2 0 which is what's on the line Friday night in Washington. Oh, my God. Uh, 52 seasons. How many times do you think they, they started 2-0 and in the preseason? Man. 12. Ooh, very close. 11. Ooh, wow. Of, look at me. Of those 11 2-0 starts, how many of those led to a playoff appearance? <laughs> well, there haven't been many <laughs> playoff appearances. Uh, I'll say two. Yeah, you're one off again. It was three. three. Most recently, in two, they did it back-to-back years, 2013, 2012. And then the other year, they did it. Also, new uniforms and a Super Bowl berth, 1981. Oh, it's like it's like 1981's happening all over again, Jay. <laughs> it just keeps coming up. It just keeps coming 
That's all it is. That's all this is. Just no doubt. Super Bowl season. Cancel your February vacations. <laughs> uh, that's that's some good stuff. That's some that's some deep preseason diving for you. Uh, that's what's on the line. Basically, a Super Bowl berth is on the line. True. Against yeah. Washington. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that will be Jay. You are off to DC. I am. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, Taking all the all the. <laughs> FedEx field in the suburbs of Washington has to offer. Yeah, I'm, I'm staying in college park, Maryland. So I, I don't think I'm going to see any monuments, um, no. but it will, it, like you said last week, it's good to be on the road. I did get a little taste of it with the senior bowl. Um, but yeah, we're just thankful to be uh, traveling to games again and looking forward to it. Absolutely. No, no doubt. And it's, and I think it, it is helped give, uh, give us a lot more insight on what's going on and to that we can bring to you guys. So uh, thanks for that. And uh, so after the game, uh, Friday into Saturday morning, you'll have a walkout waiting on you. Me from here, Jay from D.C. And uh, we'll we'll recap everything uh, that went down in this weekend's preseason game. We're almost there, folks. We are bearing down on it. September 12th opener is right around the corner. So if you're not a subscriber, highly recommend doing it now. All our coverage is up there. Just go to any of our stories on The Athletic or go to hear that podcast growling. Uh, on The Athletic, and you can subscribe there. Uh, get in for a year. You will not regret it. We work every day to make sure that your dollar is worth it. So anyway, thanks everybody for listening. We will talk to you next time. I hear that podcast growl.